welcome to the Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete, turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. All right. Welcome back to The Fulfillment Project. I have Lisa Simone Richards here with us. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here. Sarah, it is so good to reconnect with you. I think it's been about a year now since we were last in touch. So I always appreciate being able to orbit in your world. Yeah, yeah. You were in the you were on the podcast in November of 2018. So episode number 48. Uh, very different conversation than what we're going to have here today. Uh, you know, we've always connected from a professional level. Uh, you know, you're in the PR agency, coaching agency. I'm in the marketing um, coaching um, industry as well. So I love that we've connected from a professional standpoint point. You've been in with our clients. You've, you know, spoken at our summit. Uh, but this conversation around black and around white and around what's happening in this world is something that I'm very grateful that you are open to. Um, a conversation that I am nervous about that I've never had before. Um, I'm glad that we can come on here authentically. And I just want to say, you know, when I reached out to you and you wrote back to me and you said, you know, of course, I'm open to this, but I'm nervous and I don't want to say the wrong thing. And you saying that, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to tear up right now. You saying that actually gave me permission to not show up perfectly at all because, you know, we were chatting before I hit record here. Like no one has all the right answers and no one can always say the right thing all the time. And I think just having these vulnerable conversations is where we need to start. 100%. Like, I'm so scared I'm going to say the wrong thing and represent Black people the wrong way. And all I can share is my experience, not to minimize it by any means. But I think, you know, I think the one thing that I think a lot of us are having right now is we're sitting on the same side of the table. We are not sitting across from one another antagonistically. I think we all want the same thing at the end of the day. So now we're just trying to figure out how do we have that conversation? And is there going to be education along the way? 100%. Are you going to mess up? Am I going to mess up? Totally. And we're going to learn and we're going to grow and we're still going to get to where we both want to be. Yes. Yes. And I think it's with so much that's happened in the world these days, it makes you, I know for me, it makes me second guess the way I show up, the way I talk, Um, even like from a business perspective, the representation of our brand. Um, Like, you know, we've had diversity through our summits and our clients, nothing that was ever intentional. And it's making me question, like, do I need to be more intentional with that? Um, And it's just, it's brought so much more awareness that I think will be so much more positive uh, for myself and the world moving forward. And if I can just reflect something back at you, like I'm having the same conversation and I'm black, like I'm working on an online event and I looked at my lineup and I was like, okay, there are two Latina women, one Asian woman, one other black person, but otherwise I'm not even fully doing it yet. So like we all get to grow. Yeah. 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 And it's not something, and like, you know, I think we all have such great hearts. And I mean, naturally as human beings, like most people are not malicious and they're not mean and they're not out to get people, you know? So we're we're like what you said, we're sitting on the same side of the table, but it's coming more from a a conscious perspective now. And, you know, sometimes we can say things that people don't necessarily mean um, and it can be taken the wrong way. But I think if we kind of understand like everybody has a heart, everybody's in this for the right reason and just be 
open to conversation. So like, I'd love for, you know, just your perspective on, you know, like what has really happened in the world over the past, you know, week or two and, and how are you feeling and how are you seeing all this? Yeah, it's interesting because I take it for granted that I've grown up in Toronto, Canada, which is a super multicultural city. So I feel like nobody ever looks at me twice. Like, I mean, you know, it happens, but I don't really feel it. Um, so there's been a part of me that's honestly felt a little disconnected from every time when you hear a black man get shot by the police in the States, because it's not the experience that I have lived. Um, and I'm be opening up to that and being conscious. And after everything that's happened in the last week, I've like, I think two nights ago, I was saying to my fiance, like, I'm never going to be the same again. Like now that my eyes are open and I'm so much more aware, like this isn't going to go away. And I think this is the part that I'm always like, oh gosh, am I saying it's so wrong? Um, I know obviously the big conversation, the big trigger in all of this has been the events and the murder of George Floyd. And I know the part that for me has landed the most is I, by no means am I saying I'm desensitized to it, okay? I definitely want to make sure that's heard. But I've heard about a black man getting killed by the cops a million times. It, it didn't like ring particularly differently for me this time, except, you know, the insanely malicious intent. Um, what really landed for me was the Amy Cooper case. So who was the white woman who was walking her dog in Central Park in New York, who had it off leash where a black male Christian Cooper asked her to leash it. Um, she disagreed for whatever reason and then called the police and totally turned on the voice and was like, officer, there's an African-American man. And like, you know what happens. You know what happens. And to, the fact that someone will intentionally do that, knowing exactly what they're doing, and then of course come out with the statement saying, I'm not racist. Guess what? That literally is. You don't have to be lynching someone to be racist. And I think the thing that so scares me is I think about how many people are in my phone that would do that kind of thing, who like don't consider themselves to be racist, but like would know how to turn on something malicious like that. So from my experience now, in the last two weeks walking around the world, like an example, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of rambling now, but an example I've shared is not this past weekend, but the one before. So my fiance and I are looking to buy a house now. Toronto is hella expensive. So we're looking at Burlington. One weekend he and I drove out there. He's a white male. And we were looking around at houses, didn't think anything of it. But then the last weekend, my mom and I went together. So two black women in our car. And every time we pull up in front of a for sale sign to look up the URL and the listing agent and see what the price was, like, we're not even on the people's driveway. We're just at the side of the road looking up this house. I'm like, who's looking out their window right now being really uncomfortable that there are two black people here? Who here might call in the police and say that there's suspicious activity when all we're doing is sitting in our car? I, I hate the thought that came across my mind is that my mom has like a regular brand car. I have a luxury brand car. And I was like, we're in hers. I was like, should we have taken my car so people would have felt more comfortable? Like, you know, maybe they're different. Like, these are the things that are going through my mind as I'm walking through the world now. Mm. And, and that, that you never thought like that before? I never, I don't think my eyes were as open to it. Um, you know, before two weeks ago, like I wouldn't have Googled, you know, how many, what's a black population in Burlington. I didn't, I didn't think twice about it. Um, and again, I don't know if I'm saying the wrong thing here, but I feel like I've had a pretty white experience, you know, like people tell me that I look mixed. I'm 100% black, but in any event, I've grown up in a, you know, I went to private white school, went to Western university. Like my experience has been super white. And I almost, I've always noticed that I'm the only black person in the room, but I've really personally felt different for it. Or maybe I'm just so good at not noticing it that now, like I see it and I feel it and I'm sensitive to it. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, similar perspective on, on like my perspective, like I, I grew up in a really small town um, outside of Kingston, Ontario. Kingston has a hundred thousand, you know, um, of a population. And then I grew up like 30 minutes outside of that, like in the country. And, you know, so I wasn't in a diverse country at all, or uh, uh, I was not in a diverse growing, uh, up growing at all. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was always raised to like, love everybody, everybody this, everybody's the same, like race, religion, like background, anything. So I've never had a sway of my opinion on anybody at all. And it wasn't until I watched a video last week of a woman saying that she was never looked at by white people. She was never talked to by white people when she was out in public. And I found myself at the grocery store the other day and it was, the cashier was black. And I walk up, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I always make small talk. And as I was saying that, I was catching myself thinking, does she think I'm trying too hard now? And it's interesting, mm. like, you know, what you're saying is like, you're in situations that you've always been in and you're questioning them. And, and same for myself as well. And I think like that, it brings awareness, but it also allows us to put ourselves in other people's situations and maybe just make us think a little bit more. Um, yeah. So it's like when you said that, when you said like, I've been in that situation many times sitting in a car, never really thought about it. And I'm, I'm the same way, like in conversations with people and, and just never thinking that what they might be thinking on the other side. Yeah. And you know what? It's, as you say, that one thing it opened up for me is like, I remember back in high school when I would take the TTC to school and I always remember there was one day there was a black woman like a grandma or something who came and sat beside me and started telling me everything and I'm like you know like black people feel this bond like as soon as they sit beside each other they're going to say everything and now like you can see like on the streets like we see each other and we're giving each other that look like that you okay um even explaining it past the, past the black community when I went for a jog um through Trendy Bellwoods, there were two police officers on horses. One of my favorite things about Toronto that you see that. And I wanted to give the cops this huge smile of, I don't think you're here to hurt me. And they gave me this huge smile of, we don't think anything negative of you because of how you present. So like, it's interesting where I've always kind of had that kind of experience within the black community of that knowingness of us giving each other an empathetic look, that now I'm noticing with other people who want to kind of have that, hey, we support you kind of message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like I, said, I think it's just more awareness and all of us just coming together to be like, Hey, like I got you, like we're here. How have your, your parents reacted to all this? You know, it's, it's interesting. You think about like the generations of people as the generations are moving forward, you know, we're getting a lot more enlightenment. We're getting a lot more like coming together. So has there been anything different from your parents' perspective versus, versus your perspective over this whole situation? Yeah. Wow. It's so great. We're having this conversation today. So Honestly, I don't remember it ever really being a conversation between my mom and I. My mom and I are super, super close. My dad passed away about a decade ago, but my mom and I are really close. As far as I remember, the conversations when I were younger, I remember very clearly, like from four or five years old, being told because of the color of my skin, I would have to work harder. It's just how life would be. Like, it doesn't even seem like something special to me because it's just been ingrained with me. My mom's always like, you're going to have to work 10 times as hard to be equal to everyone else. So that's just how I've shown up in life. So I'm just used to that. Um, it's never really been a topic of conversation between the two of us, whether it's something that we feel we felt unaffected by or swept under the rug. But this yesterday when I was at her place, like we had, that was like the majority of our conversation. Um, like, my, yeah, no, it's, 
it's interesting having a conversation, especially because I know, thank God my mom doesn't listen to this, she would kill me. Um, my mom's side of the family is pretty private. So like even when my uncle passed away from cancer last year, I didn't know what kind it was. They just said uncle had an episode. So, you know, now we have to like have those conversations that we've tried to skirt around for so many times just for the sake of not making each other uncomfortable. And it's been real, it's been raw. Like my mom is a super Catholic lady who does not swear. And I sent her a video yesterday and I'm like, listen, they're swearing and you need to get past that. Like, listen to the message in this. And she called me after and we had a huge dialogue on it. So, you know, we're even talking about our own little biases within our home. Like, you know, I think about, <laughs> okay, so quarantine. Lisa usually has hair extensions that get done every six weeks. Um, the reason my forehead is cut off in this video, for those of you who can't see it, but Sarah can, is because I have this horrible wig that I ordered off the internet while I can't see my hair girl. So the point of this story is, so now my hair is in its natural state, it's usually in extensions. So I've had extensions my whole life, I do not know what to do with my own hair. Isn't that an interesting awakening that I don't know what to do with my own hair? But I've been going to my mom's house on every week and she'll wash and braid it for me. And as I was leaving the other day, God, she would kill me. She knew this was getting out. Um, as I was leaving, you know, just in the braids, I didn't bother putting on a cap or another wig. She's like, are you going to put a hat on? And I was like, oh my God, I've been getting this in my own house my whole time, but I'm not even like, I, I know she doesn't mean I'm not good enough. I'm, my mom loves the crap out of me. She's my biggest cheerleader. But like, what kind of own implicit messages have I been receiving in my own life that you're more lovable or more acceptable when you have your hair extensions. Yes, yes. And if we think about like subconscious programming, um, imprinted beliefs in us from children, uh, even like what you were saying there about, you know, you, you'll always have to work harder, you know, because of the color of your skin. And I think, you know, we all have beliefs from our parents and the generations before us, like imprinted on us. And I think even I look at, um, you know, the younger children and, you know, Joe and I, he has children who are 11 and 13. And we opened up conversation with them last week about what are they seeing on social media? Like they're on TikTok. Um, you know, what are they seeing in conversations with their friends? Like they do video chats with their friends all the time. What are, what is their opinion on the whole George Floyd situation? And it opened up a really great conversation with the children, which I think is great for the younger generations right now, because maybe we can start to squash some of those beliefs or uh, viewpoints that, you know, as children will always have growing up in certain times during, during the world. 100%. There's so many like implicit beliefs from my childhood that are just being like flipped over and biases and yeah, just make me look at my own choices and who I am as a person. Like how much have I put on to make other people feel comfortable and not threatened by me? I'm like, am I really this bubbly and blonde and perky a person? Or do I do that so other people don't feel threatened when I'm in a room? And I don't even know that, like, I'm going through the self-exploration now, but who I really am. Yeah, interesting. So uh, you're engaged to a white guy. And, you know, that's something that I heard. First off, congratulations, because I, um, I know when we first met, you were single and you were talking about, like, meeting a guy. <laughs> um, met him. Yeah, good for you. Congrats. Uh, has there been any, you know, even within your family, in terms of dating a white guy, has anything come up um, with that? Yeah, um, my family, no. I mean, I've always mostly, I, I've dated pretty internationally, but mostly white guys, Jewish guys. So like that wasn't new to my side of the family at all. Um, his side of the family, I, again, I don't want to tell too much of his personal business. Um, his side of the family, it, it's, never once have I felt uncomfortable. His siblings have reached out to me to just be like, Lisa, how's everything going right now? Um, we've had conversations, like really interesting conversations. I remember a while ago, I think we watched I don't know if I get the title of the movie right, The Hate You Give, it was the one with um, 
anyways, it came out a few recent years ago. I'm sorry if I get the name wrong. Um, that was a good movie we watched together. And I was like, if we weren't dating, would you have ever watched this? And he's like, no, probably not. You know, like having those awarenesses. Um, something that we talk about is like, I'm hell bent on having a dog. I'm not super hell bent on having kids. Like, I'm like, yeah, I can have one, take it or leave it. So in my head, I'm like, I want a girl. My mom and I are so close. I want that relationship. And he's like, I'd be scared with a girl. Like things could happen to her. I'd rather have a boy. Like I'd feel safer with that. And this week I was like, so if we have a boy, we have to tell him like, as, and I was having those conversations with him driving home from my mom's house. So bad timing. Lisa's like going through a yellow light turning red, which is, you know, yeah, you have to think about that as a black person in some cases. I know my experiences with police have been nothing but friendly. Last time I got pulled over, we sang Taylor Swift on a hot summer day. Um, <laughs> but if I have a son, that may not be his case. Like I was saying to Steve, I'm like, we have to tell him if we're ever in a car with him and he stops at a stop sign and he doesn't roll that car back, I'm taking away the keys. If he turns and doesn't have an a signal on, I am taking away the keys because that could be his life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now he's like, I don't know if I feel safer having a son. So, you know, it's just little things that he never had to think about too, that now we're having conversations around. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean to you when someone, you know, there's been the debate online, um, obviously this is the Black Lives Matter, you know, movement and, and conversation that's been happening when people say all lives matter. Yeah, that is something that my eyes were totally open to as well, because similar to you, love for everybody, like I, again, it hasn't been personally, like I, I see what's happening to my community, I'm not lying to it, but it hasn't been personally so affected to me, so I've almost, I wouldn't say I've totally been on the All Lives Matter train, but when I understood how it detracts from the current situation, that it made sense to me. So um, a few examples that I've heard are like, you know, you don't go to a breast cancer event and someone says, well, colon cancer matters too. Or, you know, imagine that you're giving a eulogy for someone that you loved and saying how special they were and someone else coming up to the mic and saying, yeah, but all people are special. Like the point is right now, this is a community that's on fire and nobody is saying that anybody thinks any less. It's right now, this is what's happening. And I love the analogy again, like I just had to hear it a few different ways for it to make sense to me. Um, someone was saying, you know, imagine you and I are neighbors and we're both looking at our houses and mine is on fire and yours is not. And I'm like, my house matters. And you're like, my house matters too. Like that made sense to me that of course it does. And right now this one's burning down. So we ought to pay attention here. Yeah, yeah. So those are some analogies that helped me. And I think it's been really cool that I've learned how to have grace and compassion for people who say all lives matter. Cause I'm, my personal approach isn't to be like all attacky around it. I saw someone say that the other day and I was like, Hey, for me, this is something that's hurtful. Would you be open to hearing why? And I shared with him on a personal message, like when I hear that, this is how it, you know, invalidates me and invalidates the experience of black people are having right now. And then they were receptive. So again, I think the conversations that we're having get to be full of grace and like, I feel like the intention is well behind it and let's explore why it actually isn't the thing to be saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's education, right? Um, what do you see white women doing online that you are loving right now that you're looking up to that you're like, yes, thank you for doing that. I know one person in particular, she did a Facebook live. She's a leader in a business community, did a Facebook live exactly a week ago. And I'm going to just say bombed it totally insensitive, totally missed the mark. And she had a conversation with us and she had a conversation with three of the black women in the community who were part of this call with maybe, you know, 10 or 15 people. And she heard us and why it didn't work. And then, you know, the next day or two, a few days later, she went on a live with one of those women and have her share, okay, this is what didn't work. This is what didn't have a little bit of grace and compassion, had a dialogue about it. So seeing people share their platforms to amplify voices is really powerful. 
Um, asking the questions, having those uncomfortable conversations has been powerful. Um, I'm gonna say this for a white male who's a good friend of mine. Um, he is leading a book club right now called Me and White Supremacy. And it's, you know, it's a, I sat as a fly on the wall listening to a call the other night. It was so powerful to see 20 something people come on, white people. I think I was the only black person in that room, which isn't new to me, but in that context, um, it was so interesting to hear them talk about things like fragility and, and nobody was being accusatory. You know what I mean? They were all just open to exploring. They were open to another point of view. They weren't just like, oh, well, I'm not lynching people. So I'm not racist. They were like, okay, let's explore. Like, huh, interesting. If I did move, drive through a neighborhood with all black people, the only, the, you know, the houses were fine. Everything was just, it was only black people. My automatic thought would be, it's not a good neighborhood. Like just examining things like that, where it's not intentional. It's just like, where did, where did that come from? Why do I think that way? And how can I unravel it? So seeing people take those kind of actions and have that kind of awareness and be open to it is such a powerful first step. What do you see black women doing that you're admiring right now online? That's a great question. What am I seeing them doing? I'm seeing them be open to conversations. I'm seeing them be open to educating. I know it was interesting having a conversation with one of my black girlfriends who lives in Chicago and she's like, I'm exhausted. I've been doing this for years. Um, and you know, I'm seeing like, for me, I haven't. So I'm just like, I'm going to take the torch. I'm not exhausted. Like, I mean, whew, one weekend, I'm a little bit tired. I'm like, I have an appreciation for what you guys are going through. But like, I'm just like, if I can share with like three people, white, Chinese, whatever, if I can share with three people with the experiences and just offer another perspective and open their eyes and then they can amplify that and they can share that and they can share that. Like, I just want to see that ripple effect keep going that like, if there's any sort of theme that's come up for me in the last 10 days, it's seek to understand. And I think that that can apply to all sides. I want to seek to understand from those people who say like, no, I don't see like slavery was abolished. Everything's fine. Okay. Why do you see it that way? Let's examine some things. Like when I have implicit biases, I need to seek to understand myself. And my mom and I were talking about ones about me as a person since I was like six years old that ran pretty deep. So I think, again, like I was saying at the top of this conversation, I think we're, I hope we are all on the same side. We all want the same thing. So let's seek to understand why are there some people who are out looting? I'm a peaceful person. I don't support it. And then I watch a video that explained why are these people feeling like they're only shot in light, but having access to something is going through a broken glass. I'm like, never considered that. Like that, that's deep at the root. You know what I mean? Again, I'm not saying to break windows and steal stuff, but like, let's get to the why. Let's get causal here. Yeah. Yeah. I think in any high emotional state, you know, there's going to be multiple different emotional reactions from everybody. Um, you know, I, I'm super empowered by those who are educating. Um, and that's been the, the biggest thing for me over the past week is just so much education coming my way of things I didn't know, things I never thought about. Uh, and, you know, like what I say before we hit record, like I was frozen for, for going on social media. Like it was the first time, like we've had like horrific things happen in this world, but it was the first time where I realized like I, I, I have nothing to say. Um, and I actually, I, about three different times, I started writing a social media post and I was like, I don't know if this is coming across the right way, like second guessing everything. Um, and, and then that's why I'm like, I'm glad for we're, we're having this conversation because I'd rather give you the voice as opposed to like coming from my perspective because it's not about me at all. You know, it's about your voice and about your community and, and what's happening there. And I think, you know, you can explain so many things so much better than I ever could. So I love seeing, yeah, you know, the, and, yeah. 
I was just going to share, I'm freezing on social media too. So like you and I are the opposite. Don't kill me, Sarah. You are so good. And you're all over social. I think my last static post was November, 2019. Like I'm never on social media. I didn't even post about getting engaged until like four months after it happened. Like I'm just not, I, I just don't post stuff. And then I was like, I'm doing things on the back end. Like I'm having conversations, I'm writing letters, I'm taking action, but if people aren't seeing me say or do something, does it count? So should I be posting something when I typically literally don't ever? So I have it going through my head too. I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I was like, well, if I don't say anything, does it look like I'm ignoring it? And then I just end up in like mm -hmm. this spiral of like, oh my God, like it, it's nothing for me to show up on social media. Like I want to inspire people. I want to create positivity, but I just, I was like, I, I have no idea what to say. And, and I'm open to saying that now. And like Joe and I having many different conversations and he was like, if you don't know what to say, he's like, just don't say anything. Like, just go quiet. Like it, it's high emotion right now. Don't do something. Cause you feel like you have to do it. And I was like, okay, that's like a really good point. Yeah, I took some time and I thought on it and then I shared as well. And then yesterday I posted a video of me making focaccia. I'm like, oh no, should I not be doing this right now? P.S. That looked really good, by the way. <laughs> it was pretty good. It's all done. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. Um, but like, yeah, so like know that you're not alone and questioning, like, I don't want to post it once and then get back to life as normal. Yeah. But I also don't want to discount if I'm doing some things outside of it too. So I'm still figuring out my voice around that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd like to talk about white pri privilege, if you're okay with that. Sure, let's go for it. Is that is that something you were ever, I don't want to say aware of, because I mean, I've heard of the term as well, but was that something that was always on your radar that perhaps white women had an advantage over you? Yeah, I think if I can think back to like in the very specific episode. Um, so I went to a private school here in Toronto and I think, well, it feels very vulnerable to say this out loud. You have no idea, but I think there are certain things that I can, I hide behind to try and let the world know I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. Um, you know, luxury car, like private school uniform. So I remember shopping with two of my girlfriends who lived on the Kingsway in affluent area in Etobicoke. I looked a little further west of that. So they're both white, blonde, and I was shopping with them. And then one store called another store and said there was something suspicious going on. And I'm like, I again, things I don't think about. When I'm in a store, my hands are open and they are flat. They are never in pockets. They're never in a purse. They're never curled up as if something could be in them. I, I've been doing it since I was six and I don't think twice about it. But um, no, I remember that we got tagged on like, they accused us of stealing things. Our parents got involved. We hadn't stolen a thing. Like... A, Am I, again, am I making something about race that may not have been about race? I don't know. But I kind of feel like if those two were in there on their own and I wasn't, maybe this wouldn't have come up. So, yeah. do I, I think there are a lot of things that, you know, as a Black woman, I do in my life that I have to think about that white people have never even crosses their mind. Like, even if you were looking for a house, I don't think, you know, you pulling up in front, parking for a few seconds, like it's clearly for sale, looking up some free information. I don't know if that would necessarily be like, I wonder why that person's looking at me funny. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh God, who's calling the cops right now? Like who's nervous? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. And I think another thing, even if I can just keep going on the house example, because that's Absolutely. just where I am in life right now. Like I am so for like, Steve's been like, if you don't want to stay in Toronto, we just get something smaller and more budget friendly. That's fine. We don't even need to have a conversation about it. And I'm still open to going to the burbs. But what I think about now is like the day that we move in and a U-Haul pulls in, who's going to be looking out the windows being like, there goes the neighborhood and, you know, be the people who come over on Sundays for beers and barbecues. Mm. Well, my mom always tells me about when she worked at the government, 
and um, someone, I think Michelle Jean had just been appointed governor general of Canada. Um, she's black and someone had said, you know, why, I wish they just picked someone Canadian. My mom was like, she is Canadian. And the person was like, oh, well, you know what? I backtrack, backtrack. Like yeah. those are the little things that you, you know what was meant by it. Yeah, it's interesting. And that's one thing that I've become aware of too over the past week of just listening to so many Black women and their stories and things like what yourself, you know, doing things almost unconsciously now, but for a particular reason of not trying to be flagged. Um, and it made me really realize how much I had taken for granted. Um, you know, I've never been in a situation where I would have ever thought my skin would make people talk or think differently of me or not get a job or, you know, be ousted by a community. And it's just, it's, I almost, I feel so ignorant over like how much I had taken advantage of, um, that I have privilege for. Um, but it also opens up my heart and so much more compassion. And it's, it's honestly going to change me moving forward with, you know, uh, what I do in my business and my brand and community and, and making people feel a part of things and just a lot more, a lot more conscious effort, uh, towards bringing people together and especially women too. Like I, I'm a huge advocate for women aligning together and being together and supporting each other, uh, much like why we're having this conversation. So I think, you know, a situation like this can be as devastating as it is, I hope that this will be a moment in time where there is actual real change. Because there has been, you know, numerous uprisings over the years, um, you know, with the Black community. And I feel like there's never going to be, and, and excuse me if I totally get this wrong, but I feel it is, it's really, really hard to create an overnight drastic change for a movement because everybody has to come together collectively in order to make that happen. Like we all need to be on the same page. And I think an uprising of a message like this can really put us in a position to actually have a drastic change. And, you know, I think we can look back of the evolution of the Black community and how far things have come, but only really inched forward, you know, up until this point. So, you know, I'm going to use the word trending because, you know, this is a conversation that is trending right now. And I don't want that to sound like a negative thing because, in my opinion, trends allow us to... Uh, gain so much more awareness of a topic. And then as the trend dies down, we want to make sure that the conversation keeps going so that it's not something that was just an uprising and then a, a, a cause that's lost. So, you know, moving forward after this conversation is not as hypey in the media or social media, what do you like, you know, really want to see, you know, change uh, you know, moving forward after the conversation starts to shift or diversify, you know, with what we're talking about right now. The honest truth is like, I really feel like this is a shift and yes. it's may be different. It might feel like that for me because this is the first time that I'm paying a ton of attention. Um, I talked to another black business owner the other day and she was like, yeah, no, I, I hope, but I, I don't have, I hope it goes well, but my hopes are not, this will get forgotten. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's, feeling of hopelessness I can't even imagine so there's there's a part of me that I really truly feel hopes like you know this isn't going away I think that this is caught like I mean look at the everything happening worldwide it's not just in the states like there are protests internationally everyone is showing up like I, I don't I, I really hope this is a game changer and not just inching forward like leaps and bounds forward there's a video I, I don't know her name I have to get it right before I share it but there's a video that I'll just send you a link to after 
um, that just kind of equates us with like 450 years of playing Monopoly, where you're not even given like anything to, for the first, I'll send you the link so people can see this video, it's just so powerful. And she talks about how like for the first, first 400 years of playing Monopoly, imagine not having anything at all. And not even do you not have anything in this game to compete, you have to play on behalf of the person who's your opponent. And then when you get, you know, 50 years, you're finally getting a little bit of something. And then, you know, she referenced, um, you know, black communities in the states that had been flourishing were totally self-sufficient, were burned down and wiped right out. So 50 years, you finally have a chance and then they get wiped right down. Like we're, we've, we've been real patient, like inching is not going to work anymore. It's been 450 years of this shit. So pardon the language, but like, yeah, leaps and bounds. So I really hope that this isn't an incremental shift. I hope this is like I'm not going to say burn down the system. I'm not that radical, but like, let's reform things like with meaning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love what you said there about, you know, maybe you think it's going to change because you're actually paying attention to it now. But I think like, that's why there is going to be massive change because so many people are actually paying attention now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we have to consciously want to make the change. And if from like a collective, if it isn't large enough, then that's why the change doesn't drastically move forward, which is why it is only probably inched forward. Um, and that's why I think the beauty of like podcasts and lives and, and social media where the word can get out on such a, a more of a global effort, which will actually make the change. So I, yeah, I agree. And you know, if I can share one more thing, cause I don't want to lose this comment. Um, yeah. I was even noticing like some brands on social media, like, I mean, I think you know, probably hardly difficult. It's you're hard pressed to find a brand that hasn't done a black tile or said something in some way. Um, so I know a, an organization I'm affiliated with, it's traditionally white, had done, a, you know, the obligatory blackout Tuesday post. And then the next day they posted, so coming up next in our speaker series, like, you know, they just kind of went back to things as normal and they got massacred in the comments section. Like everyone was like, oh, you did it for one day and now we're over it and moving on. Like people are using their voices to like keep this conversation going. So that kind of accountability is going to help like brands and influencers and companies realize that this isn't a one and done. We did our thing Black History Month and now we can go on. Like, I don't think that people are willing to just drop this. So yeah, yeah. And that's why I love that people are so outspoken online. And like what I said, like it it froze me because like I've been in the comment sections of things, I've seen the backlash, um, which it's it's actually and I I don't know if this is a good thing to say, but it's kind of cool to see like so much like anger and rage and people outspoken because it's actually making me realize like, oh, okay, like we can't do that or we can't go back to this or, oh, that really does, you know, bother people. Whereas sometimes I think like what you said, you kind of just put a smile on and a bubbly face and it's like, everything's okay. Um, And when it's Mm -hmm. not, we need to keep the conversation going and people need to keep being louder so that there is actually change. Yeah. 100%. And it's, thank goodness for having avenues like social media and stuff where we can make our voices heard and have those platforms. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you would like to share or open up conversation to um, within this conversation? Yeah, if there's one thing that I could really leave with this, I think it's not just to do the slacktivism thing, like to do the post something on social because you know you're being watched. Like what if everyone did just one thing to make a difference, whether that was a letter to your politician, whether that was attending a protest, whether that was making a donation to the NAACP. Do one action, whether or not people see it, that's not the point, but do something that actually moves the cause forward and not just like, well, I posted, now I'm a good person. Like, take one action. If everybody just did one action, we would like skyrocket. Now imagine if everyone took two or three actions, but let's start with one. 
Yes, exactly. I love that. And I think that's why like, I felt frozen because I'm like, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. Like, I'm not going to do it just because I feel like I should do it. Um, You know, I went and I donated money and now I'm, you know, looking at like, what else can I do in order to actually help make, like make change as opposed to just like doing a social media post because it's what we look like we should do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so great. Thanks for inviting me to have this conversation. This has been like very vulnerable and hopefully eye-opening for the people who are listening. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you'd love to know more about Lisa from a professional level, like you, you are awesome at what you do. Um, I'm so glad that we've opened up this conversation. Um, you can go listen to her episode number 48 as well, uh, where we dive into you professionally and, you know, I think that you have just, you have so much class and you're spoken so well. And I think that you are such a great voice, you know, for black women out there, even when you feel like you haven't really, you know, had some tough times or you felt like you haven't really, you know, been a voice for black women, like you're doing a fantastic, fantastic job. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that because we are all learning. We are all figuring out and we are all trying to get it right. So let's have some grace. Let's have some compassion. And again, let's all know that we're on the same side of the same side of the table going towards the same thing. And we're just figuring out how to do it well together. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 